Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. Therefore, my beloved, dearly, my, therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and long for my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. I beseech Yodia and Sentuki that they be of the same mind in the Lord. And I entreat thee also, through your fellow, help those women which labor with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with other my fellow laborers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God, And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now, I'm going to read it again. This time, I want to read it from the Living Bible. If you want to follow, there in your King James, do so, but uh, at least listen to, to the wording from the Living Bible, which says this, Dear brother Christians, I love you and long to see you. For you are my joy and my reward for my work. My beloved friends, stay true to the Lord. And I want to plead and I want to plead with those two dear women, Judas and Sympathy, please, please, with the Lord's help, quarrel no more. Be friends again. And I ask you, my true teammate, to help those women. For they worked side by side with me in telling the good news to others. And they worked with Clement too, and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are written in the book of life. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are unselfish and considerate in all you do. Remember that the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God your needs and don't forget to thank him for his answers. If you do this, you will experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. His peace will keep your thoughts and your hearts quiet and at rest as you trust in Christ Jesus. How many yeses did we have, girls? Did you count them? 35 yeses and how many noes? Five noes and 35 yeses. 35 of you said you were happy. Five said you were not. That's a better ratio than I was expecting. How many of you lied? No. Okay. I don't know what that percentage is. Some mathematician tell me what percentage of 
happy people are. 35 out of 40 is what percentage? One-eighth are unhappy, seven-eighths are happy. Pretty good ratio. Okay. That return might have been different had we done it at the beginning of the service. Before we sang, before we prayed, before we heard testimonies, and before we shook hands. Because that which we did had an effect upon what the returns would be. But if you were standing on the street corner on any given day of the week and would take a vote or a count from the people who pass you by and you would ask the same question, I think probably we would get a little different response than we got this evening. We would have more people who would say they are not happy. When we're good friends with each other, the expression that we reflect, what we say and what we do comes through, and oftentimes one good friend will say to another, are you okay? Is there something wrong? Because we portray or betray, is the word I'm after, we betray our real feelings to those people who, who know us fairly well. Some of you have come to know me well enough to, to read me as well, and a few of you have been uh, just exactly that way and have asked me what is wrong. Is there something uh, happening? Uh, you don't look happy. And I'm sure that I come across that way at times as well as we all at times come across as being not very happy. But why? Why is it that we are not happy all the time? Now, had I asked you that question, are you happy all the time, we would have had very few people who would have said they were happy all the time. Most of us, and maybe all of us, would have had to say, no, I am not happy all the time. But what are the reasons for our unhappiness? Let me give you a few. Some would say, I'm not happy because of the world situation. The things that are happening over in the Near East are disturbing me and making me unhappy and I am distressed over the world conditions and knowing that we at any moment are about to enter into another uh, escalation of military conflict throughout the world and probably our own country would be involved again and that would certainly make some people unhappy and probably you would have that response. I cannot be happy because of the world condition. Some would say, I cannot be happy because of the economy. If you're out of work, it's difficult to be happy because all of your energies and efforts are put into worrying about where the next meal is going to come from, the next car payment, the next house payment, the next doctor bill. Those things would tend to disturb us 
and cause us to be unhappy if at a given time we were involved in that problem. Some people have gone to work to see the sign on the gate that says no more work, the plant's closed. And I think that if I were one of those, I would come away from that experience very unhappy. Then there are those who would say, I cannot be happy because of the decline in morality. Well, surely that is taking place. We are descending rapidly as far as our morals are concerned in this country. Drugs is taking over. Our pre-junior high school kids are already being exposed to, and some of them are addicted to drugs. And I th certainly think that we would probably, if we were involved in that, say, I cannot be happy because of the problem with drugs or with violence. Uh, we become very unhappy with the violence that we experience. And I heard someone say today that there's somebody running loose who has a list of people that he's killing. I don't know, has, has he been caught yet? He has not yet been caught. He has his list. If my name were on that list, I know I'd be unhappy for that moment in time. I'm not very happy even though my name probably is not on that list, I don't even know who the man is, or maybe it is on that list, because this reflects a deterioration in the morality of our country when people are seemingly killing each other for no apparent reason. So we don't know what the future holds. Others would say, and this probably would catch all of us at some time or other, that we're not happy because of personal troubles, things that are happening in our lives that are disturbing us, that old spiritual, nobody knows the trouble I've seen, is true. At any given point, we're the only person in the world that has a problem. It makes no difference that a million other people are having the same problem. My problem becomes supreme. Certainly it does. And uh, the fact that somebody else has it really makes no difference. The fact that somebody else has the disease that I have or, or uh, has the uh, problems that I have doesn't seem to make any difference at all. We're worrying about ourselves. Our family problems take in a lot of the difficulties that we have. And I don't know what your answers are. But or on the survey, but on a given point in time, in a congregation of this nature, there's somebody in here that's not happy because of family difficulties. And we've all been through it. And if you have not been through it, you will go through it of having difficulties. In a congregation this size, there's probably some couple, married couple, who are having worries and difficulties. There will be somebody in this congregation who's having financial problems. Don't know how to pay the bills. This is certainly true of elderly people who are on fixed incomes and the cost of, of everything is going up. And some, I have known, some elderly people who had to decide if they took their medicine or ate in a given day. That certainly would cause unhappiness. 
those who probably, although they have incomes and would not fall in that category, are living way beyond their means. And it all catches up. And when the bills come in, after we have splurged way beyond our capabilities to pay, and uh, we don't have the money to, to take care of the bills when they come in, we are going to find ourselves in a situation of unhappiness. This will happen to a great number of our own congregation right after Christmas. We will put it on the credit card, and then when the bills come in, the happiness of Christmas has been erased with the unhappiness of the bill thing. Some people are in the state because there's an effort to keep up with the Joneses, so to speak. When we feel like because somebody else has fine clothes or a fine automobile or a fine home, that we must try to match that and we get way out of range of our capabilities. Some people are disappointed because, or unhappy rather, I should say, because they are disappointed with other people. How many times have we gone through the problem of putting our confidence and, and uh, assurance in someone only to discover that they have disappointed us? They weren't really what, they, what we thought that they were. They didn't portray themselves accurately to us, and so we're disappointed, and that makes us unhappy. Well, there are many other reasons that we might feel this way. But let's move on to the next question that I want to ask as a part of the sermon. And that is, where do we find happiness? You want to be happy and you are not happy. Where are you going to find happiness? And the tragic thing of it is, many people look for pleasure, for happiness, for joy, in the wrong place. Some people would say, well, I certainly could be happy if I had a whole lot of money. Listen, if we gave everybody a million dollars in this congregation tonight, tomorrow morning most of us would be very, very unhappy. We would begin to fret that somebody might steal it. And what are we going to do to make sure that we hold on to it? And how are we going to properly spend it? A week from now, some of us would have already run through most of that money and then begin to worry because we spent it and say, Woe is me, why was I so foolish as to go out and buy all those things because those things didn't make us happy? All we do is trade one set of problems for another set of problems and we still are unhappy. Because the basis of our happiness is not found in the checkbook. It's not found in the amount of money that we might carry in our wallet. We don't find it in wealth. And yet there are multitudes of people who would say, I could be happy if I had money. And some have become wealthy to discover that they really weren't happy after all. Secondly, some people would say, well, I would be happy if I were popular. This is a problem of teenagers, particularly in school, who want to be happy. And there is the pressure of the peer pressure put on them. But it isn't only with our kids that we find that. We find it with adults as well. People want to be in the limelight. And I have seen lots of people in church 
who are very unhappy because their name was not mentioned. Or because they did not get the position that they thought they ought to have in some category when it came time for election of officers and teachers and that sort of thing. They seemingly were left out. If they could have been singled out and have been made uh, somebody special, they in that given point in time would have been happy. But that kind of happiness is so fleeting. It's here today and gone tomorrow. Most of us would have trouble naming the last vice president of the United States, let alone the current one. Maybe we could name the one today, but last vice president, the vice president before that, oh, we'd soon forget. They were on television and the newspapers, their pictures were everywhere. And we can't even remember one vice president back. And many, some of us would have trouble remembering three or four presidents back. Because that fame is so fleeting and they become absolutely uh, wiped out of our memory, it didn't really mean that much. And I am well aware that being a pastor of a church is only important for a short period of time, and soon the pastors are forgotten. And many of this congregation could not go back three or four or five pastors and remember much about them. It has, has simply gone. I even have trouble remembering the churches that I pastored, and I'm sure that if I went back there, there would be many people who would say, now let's see, who are you? Not because my hair has changed, but because my importance to them has, has gone. And I know that. We all should be aware that happiness is not found in how popular we are at any given point in time, because it is certainly short-lived. I suppose that's why Jaja must insist that she's not nearly as old as she really is, because she's trying to retain her popularity amongst the people, but as soon as she is dead and gone, few people will know any more the name Joshua. Even John Wayne's name is of being less remembered. And so it goes. Some would say, well, I would be happy if I had the pleasure of doing such and such. I want to have fun. And fun is important, and we all have to have fun, and most of us do not enjoy this life nearly like we ought to enjoy it. But the one problem of finding satisfaction in life through pleasure is that the next point of pleasure has to be more exotic, more exciting, uh, more involved than the preceding one, because that particular excitement has grown dull. Remember how you grew up when you were a kid? The first tricycle was the most exciting thing in all the world, and you really pedaled it down the street to show everybody your new car. And everybody wanted to ride it, and then you got a little older, and the tricycle meant nothing to fly. That's kid stuff. I've got to have a bicycle. And so you ride your bicycle down the street and show it to everybody. I've got a brand new bicycle. I remember my first bicycle. Don't you? You had one? But I remember when I became 16 that my bicycle was dull. That's kid stuff. I've got to have a car. 
But I remember my first automobile, and then it wasn't good enough that I simply have an automobile. It had to be a brand new one. And I was excited when I got my brand new automobile. And I showed it off to everybody. And my son just bought himself a new pickup. And he had to have me drive it this week so that he could show off his new pickup, the first one he's ever owned that was brand new. It was exciting. But that wears off, and on and on and on our excitement goes in satisfying ourselves and being happy with having something. Television was a great thing when it came along, and I remember how excited I was when I finally was able to buy that wee little old black and white box. And I sat glued to that thing, but that became dull when I saw that my neighbors had a college set, and I had to have that. Now what I'd like to have is one of those great big wide things. I'm going to have one one of these days. That's my desire. As soon as I can figure out how the trick is going to pay for it. Why am I saying? If we are expecting that which we own and the fun that we have to bring us happiness, we're going to find that we're falling short because it's going to have to be something more all the time to keep us up in our happiness. And that's why many of us begin to be in despair and, and become unhappy because we have placed our happiness in money, in position, or in owning things in the pleasure that they bring. And all of them begin to fall short. Well, we can probably name other things. Now, the last question is, what is the source of real happiness? If you really want to be happy, where are you going to get it? Well, I think you can see where I'm leading to. But let me point a few things out about joy, about happiness that we can obtain, and I'm going to run you through the New Testament here a little bit and look at this passage of Scripture. We realize that real joy, real happiness, has to come from God above, through Jesus Christ. And what does that bring us? The first thing that I want to say that it will bring us is uh, when we place our trust in Christ, we will have the happiness of knowing that our sins are forgiven. Now, one of the real problems that people have, and you have it and I have it, is that many times we cannot enjoy the life we have because we feel so guilty about the way we're living that we cannot enjoy it. I, goodness sakes, I had that problem at Thanksgiving time. I'm sure some of you did too. I couldn't enjoy that bountiful meal for feeling guilty about it. I could go totally off my back. And I'm still guilty about that. It didn't bring me the pleasure that, I, that it should have brought because I was feeling guilty. My life is not as pleasurable as it ought to be if I am guilty and feel that guilt when it comes to my sin in relationship to the Lord Jesus. If we really want happiness, we can find it in taking our sins to the Lord and pleading 
in his, uh, to him that he would forgive us. And the scripture says that he is faithful to forgive us our sins. Now listen, that's happiness. When I can find in the scripture that even all memory of my sins has been washed away. Or as the scripture says, has been hidden behind God's back. He has buried them in the depths of the sea. He's cast them as far from us as east is from the west. And if we would come back and say, God, remember that sin I committed, he would have to say, what sin? I don't remember it. And you talk about happiness. And you can find God saying, I can't remember the sin. Why? Because we sought his forgiveness and he did forgive us. He did. That ought to bring us happiness. Listen to Acts 10.43. In the middle of a statement, to him give all the prophets witness that through his name whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sin. Well, let me tell you, I believe in it. And you know what I get as a result? I get the forgiveness of my sin. Now I'm happy. I'm happy. Listen to 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. All the way over to the end, almost to the end of the New Testament. Listen to what he says. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, that is, as Jesus is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and, here's the key, the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. Now, we can translate the word cleanse by the word purify, or purification. The blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, purifies us of all sin. Makes us clean. Now I'm happy. Because I'm clean. Standing before God uncondemned. And why am I uncondemned before God? Because I believe in his Son, Jesus Christ, and as a consequence of my belief, he purified me. Made me clean. My sins are washed away. Now, I think we can have ha a happiness also in the fact that we know that we're saved. For the lack of time, I only want to go to one passage of Scripture. I'm going to go to the book of Romans. And I had a whole bunch of passages here that I would like to refer to, but I'll avoid the temptation of going over time and simply go to Romans chapter 8, beginning at verse 35. And Paul is talking about a situation 
that brings happiness. Listen to what he says. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Now, I would be very unhappy if I thought that there was somebody or something, some force, some power that could come in here and separate me from Christ. You talk about unhappiness, that would bring it, would it not? And so Paul asked the question, who is it that can separate me from the love of Christ? That's his question. Then he says, shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword as it is written for thy sake we have killed all the day long we are counted as sheep for the slaughter then he answers in verse 37 no the word nay means no no in all these things that is through all the persecution through all the famine through all the nakedness the peril and the sword no all of those things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. I know on the authority of this passage of scripture that I can overcome all of the distresses that come into my life. I do not have to be unhappy. I can be assured that I am going to emerge victorious. I know that. There's nothing going to get me down. Not that I won't feel down. But in reality, I will not be gotten down by any power, any source, anybody, anywhere. Because I am more than capable of conquering all of these things. And what gives me that capability? It's Jesus Christ. Okay. Then verse 38, he says, I am persuaded, meaning I believe, I am convinced, I know without doubt that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature. He lists ten things. None of these things, he says, shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. That makes me happy. There's no power that can take me away from God. The devil can't do it. If I die, I'm with God. I live them with God. Angels can accomplish it. Things now are or the future. Anything in the future. There's nothing. You afraid of heights? No problem. You afraid of dips? No problem. Lord, be happy. Why? Because you've got a source on your side that can be absolutely assurance, assuring to you that you're going to succeed. 
That power is Jesus Christ himself. All right? Let me, let me go one or two more. I want to go to Philippians chapter 1. I want to turn over that Father. Turn right from where you are. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. I think a very important verse. When Paul says to the church at Philippi, being confident of this very thing, that he which has begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ, that is, unto the, unto the second coming, unto the Lord returns, he that began working in you will continue to work in you till the Lord comes. The girls have sung in the past, he's still working on me. Listen, we're not perfect, but the point of the scripture is God has not given up on us. We're his children. And although that we're weak and fickle and sinful and do all kinds of idiotic, strange, terrible things, God has begun to work in us and he's going to continue to work in us until he comes to get us again. He's not given up on us. When I know that God does not give up, that makes me happy. I might give up, but he's not going to. Same book, chapter 2, verse 13. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. That's why we're going to succeed. It's God. Not me. It's God in me. This morning, we talked about the Holy Spirit being God in us. If God is in us, He is there doing a work. He's there perfecting us. We will not be made perfect in this world, but we will be made perfect in the world to come. I say with Hippodert, We've been mining for gold and have found the, the oil. We have hit upon the source of happiness. And where is it? It's in Jesus Christ. He is present in our lives. He's there to perform a work in us, and he's not going to give up on us. One last point. There in Philippians, chapter 4, verse 17. Not there. Paul's prayer, his desire. I desire fruit that may abound to your account. I tell you, one of the best ways to produce happiness in one's life is to produce something good for the Lord. 
When you have done something positive for the Lord, there is a joy in that that is not capable of being matched. When you see that you have spoken a word of testimony to somebody, and then one day watch them get out of their seat and come down the aisle and make a decision for Jesus Christ, you have produced good works, and you are going to get the results. You're going to have the happiness. Maybe you haven't seen that yet. Maybe it's something else that you've done. You have seen this building go up that we're working on. You have had a part in it. That's good works. It ought to produce joy in your heart to see what we're doing. For the glory of the Lord. And many of us experience that in feeling. We experienced and felt joy tonight as we went around and shook hands and hugged each other. What were we doing? But doing good works, and we said to each other, I love you, I heard that statement made. I saw people put their arms around each other, and I don't know what the secret words that they said to each other were, but they were good Christian fellowship words. Saying, you mean something to me. That's good fruit. You encouraged and built somebody up. You told them, hey, I'm with you. Even when you're down, I'm still there. But listen, even when we do not say those things to each other because we don't have opportunity or we forget or we're just uh, lazy in our expressions, remember, the Lord is always there doing that very thing, building us up. Our joy can be full. The only reason that we're not happy is because we have allowed the things of the world, the world situation, our personal troubles, our disappointments in others, our thinking that the way to happiness is through wealth or through fame or through pleasure, to get in the way of allowing the Lord to make us happy. And we can find happiness in knowing that our sins are forgiven, in knowing that we have joy in our salvation, it is good for us and we enjoy it, and that the work we do produces something that we're proud of and happy for. There's no reason for us, even in times of distress, to be unhappy. Not meaning that we are satisfied and pleased with all the things that are going on, but that we can be happy in spite of all the worries that we might have. Don't worry. Be happy. All the happy. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at james.com sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.